When I was, uh, I think, sort of seven to ten years old, as a family, we always used to go on a Thursday to something called Speedway. don't know if any of you have ever watched Speedway. <laughs> it's four motorcycles that don't have brakes racing on a shale track and going round in a circle four times. And uh, we used to go every week to watch, went to the World Championship twice. And I remember, I think I was about ten years old, when I suddenly realised... I'm never going to be a Speedway champion, am I? Because I don't have a bike. (laughs) And I thought, I'm not really that interested in watching a sport that I'll never be able to do. And I thought, actually, you don't need that much to be a footballer. You just need a shirt and you need a football. And I thought, I'll do that because at least I've got a chance of competing because I'm never going to be my heroes unless someone suddenly buys me a... a, uh, a bike that has no brakes and that races on shale. (laughs) So I kind of got bored and stopped going because I wanted to do what I was watching. I wanted to do what I was watching. And I think that's what God's doing in the earth now in the church. He's saying, church is not a spectator sport. You are getting to do, not just watch. And uh, a guy called John Wimber, who... Uh, got saved in the 1970s, a musician, actually from a, from a drugs background, got radically saved. And he, he's quoted as saying this, When do we get to do the stuff? You know, the stuff here in the Bible. The stuff Jesus did, like healing the sick, raising the dead, healing the blind, stuff like that. And he said, rather provocatively, Did I give up drugs for this? In other words, did I give up drugs just to now come to a, be a spectator of other people telling me stories about doing the stuff? When do we get to play? I love that. When do I get to do the stuff? When do I get to play? When do I get a bike? that's got no brakes where I can race on shale because I'm not interested on sitting a wooden seat for the rest of my life cheering on my heroes I want to be involved and that's what God's doing and saying he's always been saying it everyone gets to play everyone gets to play you, you may have in your life seen people on platforms and podiums who you thought I could never esteem to that. I could never be that person. I could never be like that holy man or that holy woman and do the things that they do. And maybe you thought my destiny is just to be wowed by their stories and what they come back and tell me. But God says, you get to play. The Bible says, everyone gets to play. You get to play. And Jesus Or Paul says in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, he says this. So Christ, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, he says, So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And it doesn't then go on to say, so that they could do the stuff (coughs) and they could play and all the rest of the body could cheer them on and be wowed by their stories. (laughs) That's not what he says. He says to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God 
and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You can say, I am called to play. I get to do the stuff. Because the gifts and the ministries and the callings that Jesus gives his body, the officers that he gives his body, are to equip the saints to do the stuff, to do the works of service. So we all get to play. It doesn't matter if you, if you work here or work there or you get paid by there. We're all in full-time ministry. We're all in full-time ministry. The only difference between one person and the next person is who pays the wage packet at the end of the month. But actually, we're all in full-time ministry. All of us are full-time. And so, one of the things that God is more and more saying to us is that we're not to understand mission as merely going out and inviting people to a meeting... And I'm not decrying the Gather Church. I think the Gather Church is an amazing place. It's a place of encounter. It's a place of the presence of God. It's a place of being equipped. It's a place of being made ready. But we're not just to understand that our mission in life is just to get people to come to a meeting. You are called in Jesus Christ to bring the meeting to people. Okay, you are called in Jesus Christ to bring the meeting to them. Not just to say, I'm going to bring you to a meeting where a qualified man or woman is going to do stuff, but you get to do the stuff because you're qualified and you are full time and you get to play and you get to bring the meeting to people. And so whilst it's fantastic to say um, there's a special meeting where people get healed, and that's true that people carry maybe extraordinary anointing, we come to those meetings, we're also those who are growing to bring healing to people wherever we go. So we're not just waiting for the apostolic gift to roll into town so that we can see some kingdom stuff. We're kingdom men and women, and we bring the kingdom wherever we go, and we bring breakthrough, and we bring hope, and we bring the prophetic, and and we release the kingdom wherever we go. We, We bring the meeting. And you might be thinking, you've said this a lot. And I think we have to keep saying it because I think we've been so programmed to think that it's only special people. And it's only special anointed people who get to play and get to stuff, go do the stuff. The, the anointing is available to everyone. The anointing of God to do the stuff is honestly available to everyone. If you're young or if you're old, the anointing is available to you. If you're introvert or you're extrovert, the anointing is available to you. If you've just become a believer or you've been on the road 30, 40 years, the anointing is available to you. You're included, you're qualified, you're commissioned, you can do it. Because the anointing is not a fuzzy feeling that we might feel or a warm feeling that we might feel. The anointing is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talks about that in John 14, I'm not leaving you as orphans, 
I'm coming to you, I'm going to send you the helper, I'm going to send you the friend, I'm going to send you the paraclete, I'm going to send you the one who comes alongside. It's the Holy Spirit that qualifies us, and not our personality, whether we're a bold person or a timid person, or we've been on the road a long time, or we've just started. It's the person of God. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out. So Acts chapter 2 says, Acts chapter 2, on their Pentecost, Peter trying to give an explanation about what is going on. Jesus has ascended. <coughs> Jesus has said, wait here in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father is going to come. And the Holy Spirit will make you witnesses. And so they're waiting and then suddenly a wind blows and tongues of fire and Peter has to give an explanation about what's going on and he says in the last days God says I will pour out my spirit on all people the last days we're in the last days the last days are when Jesus ascended okay so it's not a day that's still to come we're in the day that the spirit has been poured out your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He he basically says, look, it's everybody. It's children, it's young men, it's young women, it's the old, it's it's every strata, every group of people, men and women. I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And then he says in verse 39 of that same chapter, The promise is for you. And that's the you of the people he was speaking to. And for your children, for your next generation, and for all who are far off, in other words, geographically nations, and then for all whom the Lord God will call. For all whom the Lord God will call. See, it's not, it's not an emotional appeal to say, you get to play, you, you are anointed, you get to bring the meeting. It's a promise because Peter here is saying, it's for all who the Lord God will call. You're included in that promise. No, no one's to discount themselves. No one's to discount themselves from this person, this Holy Spirit, who comes in us and then works through us, that no one is to discount themselves and say, I'm not qualified, I'm too weak, I'm too timid, I've got too many things wrong. How does God give the Holy Spirit? How does God work miracles amongst us? Is it through works of the law, through keeping a checklist, Or is it through believing? And that's the question Paul asked the Galatians. How did you receive the Spirit? How did God do miracles through you? Was it because you kept the checklist better than anyone else? No, it was because you simply believed there was a Holy Spirit and you asked for him and you received by faith. And that's how all the things of the kingdom work. We fix our eyes on Jesus and we read his word and we simply believe that the promise is for me. If you've never received the gift of tongues, you can go home and just get it. <laughs> the gift is for you. Sometimes we 
we make really things really complicated where we need to be people who say, because you said it, I'm getting it. And because you promised it, I'm having it. The kingdom belongs to children. Children are not complicated. Children simply ask and they expect and they receive. And we're to be like that with the, with the Father and say, I want the promise. I want the promise of the Spirit. I want the promise. I want the promise of the Spirit. Because you said you, we would be witnesses when the Spirit comes. You said we would do the things that Jesus did. You said that we could have what you had. And I, I'm coming to get it. I'm coming to receive it. I'm, I'm anticipating. I'm expecting it. And we just, I'm not discounting myself. I'm not discounting myself. The Holy Spirit is for you. It's your birthright in Christ Jesus to see the impossible bend its knee as you proclaim the name of Jesus wherever you go. It's your birthright. It's not your birthright to just hear about a couple of people who do it. It's your birthright to do it. It's not your birthright to go to a spectacular meeting in which someone tells you amazing stories and you go home wowed. It's your birthright to have amazing stories and tell other people so they're wowed. Seriously. That's what God has always intended to build a body. The gifts of leadership are servant gifts. So they serve the body, so the body grows in maturity to do the stuff of the kingdom. Because we all get to play. We all get to play. And that's what we're building here. We're building a family. We're building a family that loves one another. That wants to walk deeply with one another. That forgives one another. All the things that you can read in that fun quote in that little foyer. Who push one another to go further and higher and do more. Who celebrate one another. Who, when you hear of someone else's breakthrough and someone else's testimony, it provokes not jealousy, but celebration. And that makes you say, I want to do the same too. It provokes us to say, I love your testimony. I love what God has done in you. I want it too. I'm provoked by stories. I'm provoked when... Rochelle went to a meeting recently and this guy was in, doing impartation. You know, Paul talks about in Romans 1, I want to impart a gift. And this guy was imparting words of knowledge. And she grabbed hold of us, I'm going to have that. And started to step out into words of knowledge, which provoked me. So, I want that too. I want that too. I want that. I want to hear your kids. I want to grow in that. I want to hear your voice. Let, let the things that people do provoke a, I want that. I, you know what? Celebrate it. I want it. Because he's no, in that sense, he's no respecter of persons. You are his favourite. I am his favourite. We're all his favourite. And he wants to generously give gifts to all. You see, our calling as a church is this. is not just to have a meeting once a month or once a week that we come to but to be a family on a mission together into our world, into our workplaces, into our communities, into this society. Because we want to see the glory of God impact this area. You see, it's really possible to do this. You could have this meeting place filled six or seven times a day, 140 people. So you could have 500 people gathered here on a Sunday and Plumstead and SE18 would not be affected at all. 
You'd have a really nice big meeting and, oh God, do that. Fill it with lots of people again and again, week after week, of people coming to know Jesus and getting saved and getting into freedom. We'd love it. But there's a bigger mission that we're an outpost of heaven. Our ultimate mission is that our community reflects heaven, reflects the kingdom of God and reflects the king. That's what Rome always did when they conquered an area. They wanted Philippi to look like Rome, to function like Rome, to have the values of Rome. And so they sent apostles to go to Philippi to establish the culture of Rome into a location. So the legal system and the water system and the economics of the place and the worship of the place would look like Rome. Jesus sent 12 apostles into the earth to make Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth look like heaven. We are here with a mandate to be an apostolic people, an outpost of heaven to establish the ways of heaven in our area. And so it matters about justice and it matters about poverty and it matters about racism and it matters about education and it matters about housing and it matters about jobs and finance and sickness because there is no job problem in heaven or housing problem in heaven or sickness in heaven and Jesus says pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven so we've got an apostolic mandate yeah and we're not going to do that just by bringing people to a meeting we've got to be the meeting yeah so when we're at the bus stop heaven is there when we're in the office, heaven has just come. Yeah. And when we're in the supermarket, heaven's coming. Yeah. And to be those people, we need to believe, actually, I'm anointed. Mm. See, what, what, what's tending to happen, I think, is in this area, about 30% of the population are open to Jesus <coughs> and they're open to church. And, and, and they're the people who will be aware of leaflets and aware of campaigns and aware of invitation. 70% of the people are not looking for Jesus. 70% of the people are not thinking about coming to a meeting. And so you can put advertising in the newspaper, but they're not looking for a meeting, so they might just skip over it. It's like when you're looking for a car... You notice in the newspaper all the car adverts, don't you? Because you're looking for a car. Or when you're about to buy a new car, you notice every car on the road. Or every for sale sign. And, oh, wow, that one looks like... When you're not looking for a car, cars go by you and you're not even noticing. Advertising goes by you and you're not even aware. It's what a lot of people are like about Jesus. They're not aware that they need a saviour. They're not aware... And so the church has to say, we're going for the 70%. Yeah, we're going for the 30 as well. But we're going for the 70 who aren't even aware yeah. that they need a saviour. Who don't even know that God is good. Who are in your office today and they're not asking first order questions about where am I going? What am I here for? What's in eternity? And that we're going to them full of the Holy Spirit, full of the gifts of the Spirit, equipped to bring the meeting to people. I want everybody here to be, as my friends in Christchurch says, qualified with a PhD. That you know how to prophesy, you know how to heal, and you know how to deliver the oppressed. 
That, that's what we need. That's the kind of people we're needing to be. Come and see me if you want a PhD. And we'll, we'll, we don't know how we're going to do it, but everybody, every believer needs to have a PhD. You need to know how you can prophesy comfort, prophesy life, and prophesy exhortation. You need to know how to heal the sick. Not just pray for the sick. Jesus said, heal the sick. And you need to know how to deliver the oppressed and bring them right through to life. Okay. In conclusion then. Just a precursor to this conclusion or just a context. context. We do believe in prayer. So what I'm going to say now is not a discounting of prayer. And from next Sunday, every Sunday, 9.30, we're going to pray and call upon God and asking for increase and asking for more and asking for breakthroughs on sickness that haven't budged and pray for his presence to grow increasingly, to pray for one another, to go on being filled with the Spirit. And so it's going to be every week for half an hour, 45 minutes, upstairs, just encourage you to come. In order to see the kingdom come, we, we can't just pray, we have to act. Amen. Yeah? So we want to pray, but then we've got to act. Yeah. And so the things that we pray in private, we've got to act upon in public. Because that's how the kingdom comes. Prayer connects us to him, draws on his resources and asks him to do the impossible, then he says, co-laboring with me, partnering with me, in the yoke with me, pray in private, act in public. Pray in private, act in public. Imagine in private what can happen in your office, and then act in public. So we mustn't just ask him to do something when he's asked us to do something. He's asked us to be full of the Holy Spirit and be his witnesses. He's said to us, these are the signs that will follow those who believe. You believe, and these are the signs that will follow you as you step out in faith. Don't just ask me to do something. Do something. (laughs) I want to save 40 people. What's your response? Become saturated with God so that you become a witness of the reality that Jesus Christ is alive in your life. So we're not just passively asking. We're saying, I'm going to ask and I'm going to do. I'm going to get faith and I'm going to act. I'm going to believe and I'm going to follow my belief with believe in action. Are you ready for that? Yes. Because there's no point having a spiritual PhD and it's in a drawer or in a book and you know how to prophesy, you know how to heal the sick, you know how to deliver the oppressed, but you never use it. It's not just an academic thing, it's an action thing. So we're building a family that loves one another, that gathers to encounter him and get filled with the Holy Spirit and then goes and brings the kingdom wherever we go. And so we ask in private, we pray in private. Let's make that 9.30 prayer meeting absolutely a cry, noisy, radical place of encountering God, getting filled with the Holy Spirit and then released into the meeting. A whole bunch of people are already absolutely full, who already could go home happy, who then release that to other people as they come in. You see, you don't know you carry something until you risk releasing it. Yes. Yeah? Amen. And sometimes we, we can go from, I need to have one impartation to another impartation to another impartation to another impartation. How do I know I've really received something until I take the risk to release it? 
So we have to believe I've got something. I've caught something. Something's happened in my life. Now I'm going to risk releasing it. Now I'm going to risk, um, going to risk praying for that person. Steward what you've received. Steward what you've received. Jesus said, you can go from weak faith and your faith can grow. Your faith is a muscle that can grow in his presence. And that you might start right now and say, I've got weak faith. It doesn't matter. We've told our story in all honesty of where we really started on this journey of wanting to see the kingdom of God come. And we've told it right from the beginning that the first thing for me was just acknowledging somebody was next to me at a cash point. Because I thought, if I can't acknowledge people around me and just live in a bubble, how am I going to react when the Holy Spirit prompts? And so it was a journey from that of absolutely being terrified about the whole idea to now loving and loathing the idea of what can go on out there. (laughs) And I think God's okay with that. He develops our faith where we're at. Steward what you've received. Nurture what you have. Listen to those promptings of God and obey them and step out. Nurture the flame you have. I said last week, I think on the, on the island, 13 men on an island, got to survive, got to hunt, got to gather. And they've got to start a fire that for 13 hours they couldn't even start a fire. And then by rubbing these sticks into this thing really fast, they got a little tiny puff of smoke and they nurtured it and they protected it and they huddled around it and they put kindling on it and they and then it burst into flame and it could burn logs. Look after. Look after the the flame that you have. Look after the smoke in your life as it were. Blow on it. Blow on it. You see repentance isn't just about you and God. It's about the community you live in and about reaching the world. You see, it doesn't really matter if a person goes onto an aeroplane and speaks to their neighbour on the seat and is a radical evangelist, but they carry an atmosphere. So if a person gets onto a plane and maybe they're not that, they're not that bold, they're quite timid, it really doesn't matter whether they speak or not, but actually their relationship with God is broadcasting something around them. Their posture is saying something. Something's being leaked. They're either fully, totally stressed and anxious and angry, and the other person is catching that, or they're at peace with God, and the God of peace is ruling in their hearts. See, we've got to nurture the flame. Nurture our hearts. Be really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Really sensitive to accommodating Him, and making Him feel at home, and nurturing that relationship, walking with him, talking with him, getting to know him. Because a lot just happens in the atmosphere we carry. If we come to the bus stop agitated and stressed and we haven't really got our heart right with God and we're, up, we're refusing to repent or we're in a place of just, actually God, everything I have is yours and I love you and I'm yours and I'm walking with you and I want to be open and I want you to deal with my heart and I want to be transparent with other people. I want to be... I want to grow in my faith. That affects things around you, even if you didn't say anything. Don't invite us to stand. I'm going to pray for you as we finish.